So, gentlemen, you remember that it was Valentine's Day, right? Today? Well, happy Valentine's to all of you. And um, uh, I want to talk about love today. In fact, my message is entitled, All You Need Is Love. And uh, some of you may remember that as a Beatles song, first uh, performed, well, first of all, written by John Lennon, first performed June 25th, 1967. And uh, this song was a response to what was happening in the world. Vietnam War was taking place. And uh, at this time, people recognized the futility of it all. And it just seems uh, such a waste. And uh, the Beatles wrote this song and sang it. What the world wants is peace and love. All you need is love. Now, you, you, uh, you listen to those words, and you think, wow, it's, it's so wonderful that the Beatles understood this better than anybody else, and that they were, they were promoting peace, promoting love. But I want to remind you, my friends, that the Scripture, the New Testament is, in fact, all about love and about the most excellent way. That's what the Apostle Paul called it, the most excellent way. He called it love. So take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4. We won't read the whole chapter, but we will read a portion of it. And the Apostle Paul, in speaking to the Corinthians, he gives a definition of love. It's fantastic. And just before we read it, I want to just point out to you something here today. Uh, the church in Corinth was having tremendous problems. They were fighting a lot. They were disagreeing on all sorts of, of issues, doctrinal issues and relational issues, that sort of thing. And the Apostle Paul, frustrated, wanting to pull the hair out of his head, finally, after, after uh, 12 chapters of of guidance and instruction. Finally, he says, oh, look, I'm going to just show you the most excellent way. And so this is where 1 Corinthians 13 came from. It was a description of what it really ought to be. How many know today that it's impossible to address absolutely every issue in absolutely everybody's life? You can't do it. But if a people are living by the law of love, then what happens, friends, is that you don't need a whole lot of commandments. You don't need a whole lot of laws. You don't need a whole lot of instructions. You don't need to give people volumes and volumes of books on how they should live, and what they should do, what they shouldn't do. Because law, love takes care of all of that. Love becomes a law, a rule that you live by. And it governs what you, what you do and helps you make choices, the right choices. So let's take a look at that passage. And I would like you to read that with me, if you would. And we're starting at the top, love is patient. Ready? Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. And that's what I want to talk to you today. Uh, uh, this is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about, about love and how, in fact, when you are guided by love, you are going to be a success 
in every area of your life, whether it's as a, a husband or a wife, a father, a mother, an employee, uh, as, a, as a business manager or, a, or owner of a business, whatever you do, if you are ruled by love, you will be a success. Because the Bible says, love never... Say it again. Love... Tell the person beside you that, that love never fails. Would you do that right now? Just tell them that. And if you've got no one beside you, just shout it out to somebody nearby. Love never fails. We've got to get this drilled into our heads somehow. And I, I get to, I'll tell you why we have to get it drilled into our heads. Because it doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come easily to us. We fail in this all the time. The Bible says love never fails. Now, if you go to the Greek and, and look at that word for fail or fails, you'll discover that it basically means being unsuccessful. And so the Bible says that when you love, then you will be successful. Because love, love is never unsuccessful. That's really what it's saying there in the Greek passage. The idea of failing it's an idea of sliding back, of, of degeneration, of dying out, of giving out, of quitting, of falling apart. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, you know, you just describe what my, what my family's like. Falling apart. It's dying. Or you're, maybe it's your marriage. It's dying. It's falling apart. You're having problems there. Your relationship with your kids. It's dying. It's falling apart. It's sliding. I have good news for you today. The Bible tells me and you that love never fails. And when you are guided by the law of love, that is when you become a success in whatever it is that you are doing and whatever it is that you want to be. How many want to be a success today? Of course, everybody does. Some don't care because you're not lifting your head. But there's a few of us here that really want to do well. We want to be good parents. We want to be a good spouse. We want to be do good at our job. We want to be a, a success. Now, I want you to stop and think for a moment. When there is a lack of loving motives in your life, that's when you begin to have problems. That's when your marriage starts to fall apart. That's when things stop going well for you. Do you ever notice that? If you just look at that, that list again, love is patient. What happens when you're impatient? You start making stupid mistakes, right? I can't tell you how many times when I've been impatient and angry, uh, I, I, I mean, I was building a deck this summer. I smacked my hand, I don't know how many times. It's my poor arthritic finger, folks. It's ridiculous. The Bible says love never fails. Love is kind. Love does not envy. How many relationships have been broken up because of envy, because of jealousy? How many people have had close friends and suddenly fell apart because, because they became jealous or you became jealous? Love does not boast, does not brag. How many times you've been repelled by people who are boastful and proud? You don't, you can't get close to them because they think so highly of themselves. Love is not rude. How many people have been, have been fired from the job because of rudeness? There's a, there's a place that I like to go for lunch oftentimes. We were served one day. Manager knows me really well. In fact, he, he said to me recently, he wants to start coming to our church and he wants to get married here. And uh, one day uh, we were there with some family and friends, and and uh, the waitress that we had was ex- was especially rude. And I said, you know, I, 
we're, we're, we, we come here regularly, and I really would appreciate it if you, you know, treated us a little bit better than that. And uh, unfortunately, the manager heard that, and uh, she lost her job because of it. I felt really bad about that. But I'm going to tell you this. Love never fails. Where there's love, you're going to find success in your life, whatever it is that you do. Whether you're, again, whether you're a waitress, whether you are a carpenter, a plumber, whether you own your business, love never fails. It's not self-seeking. Whenever you put yourself first, you know that's the beginning of problems. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And the list could go on and on. But I'm telling you this today, that where there is a lack of love, there is failure. Where there is a lack of love, you will find that things stop going well for you. Things start going poorly for you because God has called us to love. Now, are you uh, struggling in your marriage? You're struggling in your relationship with your kids? You're struggling in your relationship with your neighbors uh, at work, whatever? Then I need to ask you to examine your heart this morning and ask yourself this question. Have I been as loving as I could be? towards my wife? Am I being as loving towards my kids as I could be? Am I being as loving as I can be towards the people at work? Now, I mean, I, I was thinking about this sort of meditating, mulling it over my head. I was thinking of Jesse uh, working on the construction site. And um, when I say, Jesse, you, you know, if, you're, if you act in a loving manner at work, you're going to do well. I don't, I don't, I'm not telling Jesse when he gets to work, he should go and give everybody a hug <laughs> and say, I'm so glad to see you today. That would get him uh, kicked off the site in no time. But what I am telling you is this, is that what he needs to have is a loving attitude. It's, that's what makes you successful. A loving attitude means that you put other people first and don't put yourself first. Does that make sense? It means that you look out for the needs of others. It means that you put the concerns or the cares of other people first. It's not all about you. Paul says that every one of these faults here, impatience, unkindness, envy, boasting, pride, rudeness, self-seeking, all of these faults are, in fact, the opposite of love. And so here's the thing, friends. If you, if you see that you have these faults in your life, then you're setting yourself up for failure. And as Christians, our job is to come before God and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us those areas in our life that don't measure up. Because after all, we want to be a success in whatever it is that we, we do. Now here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Everybody wants to know what the gospel is. The gospel is this. The good news is this, is that whatever problems or failures you are facing in your life right now, they can be fixed by applying this one simple rule, and it's the rule of love. You can fix it today. If you've got yourself into a mess, you've got yourself into a problem, then what you need to do is you need to say, Holy Spirit, begin to work in my life so that I may begin to live the rule of love. Love never fails. So if you got problems in your life right now, you got broken relationships, problems at, at work, whatever, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to say, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me how I can, I can apply this rule of love. Now, here's the thing. Paul calls this the most excellent way. And so the, the most excellent way we discover is, first of all, stop failing. You have to make that decision right here, right now. I'm going to stop failing in my life. Now, I, I, I want to just point this out before we go any further. 
Failure has been programmed into our DNA because of our uh, our spiritual DNA, if you want to put it that way, because of Adam and Eve. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fail God. We, we fall short. We don't measure up. Now, I'm going to tell you today, there are some churches uh, in North America today, in fact, many churches in North America, they don't even want to use the word sin anymore because they feel that it's a little bit too... Um, uh, offensive. I'm going to tell you the truth today because the Bible says, uh, or the Bible says that love does not delight in, in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You need to hear the truth today. And the truth is this, is that you are set up to fail because of your sin nature. You've got to decide today, God helping you, that you no longer want to be a failure in your marriage, at work, or whatever, whatever you find yourself in in life. You've got to make that decision. You've got to say, God, I don't want to fail anymore. I want you to stop and think for a moment about some of the great failures that we've seen in recent years. One of the very first ones that comes to my mind is Bill Clinton. How will Bill Clinton be remembered? Most people will remember him in relationship to Monica Lewinsky. Isn't that right? Even though during his eight years in, in, in his presidency, the economy was, was, was at its healthiest, he did some really great things, but people won't remember that. They'll remember his failure. He'll rem- they'll remember his failing. Think of Senator John Edwards, who just seems to have, have uh, just uh, self-destructed in our, right before our eyes. What happened there? What caused the failing? I'm going to tell you what it caused the failing. It was his selfishness. It was his self-centeredness. It was the lack of love for his wife and ch- his children that caused him to do what is what is despicable. Same thing with Bill Clinton. It was his self-centeredness that would cause him to go down that road in the first place. We think, think of someone closer to home, Brian Mulroney. Some of you know who he is. And you know the scandal that now is attached to his name. And whenever you think of Brian Mulroney, you're going to think of, of the the hundreds of thousands of dollars that passed through his hand. And no matter what, how he protests, no matter what he says, you know that you know that this is a man who was living selfishly. Now, here's the thing. It's so easy to look at these people and, and, and throw stones at them and say what terrible people they are. But now we've got to stop and look at our own hearts and lives. How have you failed? How are you failing? And I'm going to tell you this right now, that the failure that you are experiencing or have experienced in your life is directly proportionate to the amount of love or the lack of love demonstrated in your life. That's interesting to me that uh, if you go to a bookstore, and I, some of you know I love books, you go to the, go to the, the self-help section or the business section, and you look at the books about success, you're going to see book titles like this. You're going to see book titles that talk about time management for success. You're going to see books called Dress for Success, Dress a Certain Way So You Can Be Successful. You're going to see uh, books on power lunches. You have great power lunches. You can, you can turn your industry around. Uh, these books on, on success are going to talk about being disciplined, about being in good physical condition. They're going to talk about education and training. They're going to talk about, about, uh, about practicing, make, practice makes perfect, etc. But you'll find no book that tells you you need to love. Interesting, isn't it? We don't think of that. And yet the Bible says that failure 
is the result or the fruit of a lack of love. If you want to be successful in life, the starting point, well, time management's great, dressing nice is good, being disciplined is good, education is great, but the starting place is always love. There's no way around that. I can teach you all kinds of strategies, and I can teach you all kinds of skills to be a good husband, a good wife, whatever. But here's the thing. If you don't have love, well, the Bible says you're just like a a clanging cymbal. You're just making a lot of noise. You're just taking up space. The beginning of success is by recognizing that your failure comes from your lack of love. It comes from your self-centeredness. The Bible says loving others always brings success. And if you want to be successful in your marriage, in your family life, at work, in your business, then you've got to start trying love. You've got to, you've got to uproot. Can you put that verse back again, that last, that last uh, verse? You've got, to, you've got to get rid of the impatience in your life. And we were joking about this at our Bible study, at our small group. And someone, I think it was John Arson, who said, Has anybody here prayed for patience? We all laughed, and yeah, yeah we, we prayed for it. He goes, well, then you know what I've been going through lately. He says, everywhere I go, my patience is being tested. But I said this, is your life better for it? Better for, being, for learning to be patient? He goes, absolutely. So here's the thing. You've got to find out a way, if you want to be a success, you've got to find a way to uproot, to get rid of impatience. You've got to start being kind. You've got to stop envying and being jealous of others. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. I'll tell you how to do it. Get on your knees and start to pray. Oh, there it is again. Pastor, you're talking about prayer. I'm telling you, folks, you can't make it in this Christian life if you don't know how to pray. You've got to stop being rude. Stop being so proud and self-seeking. And the list goes on. You can take your Bible out and you can look at this other any time to be reminded what it means to be successful. And that means loving, loving the way that the Bible tells us to love. So the first thing to do if you want to be successful is you've got to stop failing. And by stopping this failing process, you've got to change the way you live. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to start loving. John 13, 12, Jesus says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, I want you to understand something. When Jesus came to this world, it wasn't to start a new religion. How many know that today? It wasn't to start a new, to get a new institution going. Jesus came to this earth for one reason, and that was to bring us a message, and that message is simple. Start loving each other. Start putting each other first. If you look at what's happening in our world today, all the wars, all the disasters, the catastrophes, all the poverty, uh, you will see that at the bottom of it all is a lack of love. We don't really love each other. The New Testament is all about love. Everything Jesus does is motivated by love. Now, now get this. Ready for this? Ready? We all talk about wanting to see miracles in our life. We want to see healing in our, in our, in our lives. We want to see, we want to see transformation. I'm going to tell you this. The only way that you're going to see healing in your life, the only way you're going to see miracles take place in your life is if you learn how to love. That's where the miracles take place. That's what gets the supernatural going in your life. You say, you know, I don't know what happened. Christianity is not fun for me anymore. Christianity is kind of boring for me. I'm just, I'm just going through the motions. Well, my friends, if you want to get back the spark, the joy, the excitement, then you need to look at Jesus' life. Because I'm going to tell you this, the beginning of miracles, the beginning of of power unleashed in your life, the beginning of the miraculous 
begins with love. And I'm going to tell you this. It's, it's, it's easy to love people who love you, but it's really hard to love people who don't love you. But here's the thing. Here's the, here, here, you've got to get this. The minute you start loving that person who is not loving you in return, that's when the miracles start taking place. Did you get that? The minute you start loving those people who, who are, are nasty to you, that's when miracles start taking place. The minute you start loving your boss, that's when miracles start taking place. That's when healing comes to marriages. That's where healing comes to relationships between children and their parents. If you look at Jesus' life, you'll see that everything he did, listen to this, everything he did was motivated by love. Did you know that? Matthew 9.36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. What is that word, compassion? It's a, it's a deep, intense love. It starts, literally, because that's where the word compassion comes from, starts from the bowels. If you look at the root word of compassion, splagnizomai, it's the, it's, it's the movement of the bowels. That sounds gross. But how many know, how many parents know what it is to love your, your spouse or love your children so much that you literally feel something inside of you turn whenever you see them in trouble or hurting? That's the kind of love Jesus has. And I'm gonna tell you, that compassion, that kind of love is what produced miracles. And so he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and did what? And healed their sick. You see what I'm saying? The healings, the miracles flowed out of his compassion, out of his love. And that's what God will do in your life. You want to see some miraculous things take place? And start loving and watch what God will do. Jesus had compassion, Matthew 20, 34. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on their way. And so Jesus feeds the 5,000. Are you getting the picture here? All these miracles flow out of intense love. Now listen to me. Jesus is not responding to people who are loving. He is the initiator of love. Did you get that? So you've got to take the initiative. Your kids are driving you crazy. Take the initiative. Reach out to them and love them in spite of the fact that they're maybe not loving you in return. My friends, start loving and watch the miracles take place in your life. Stop failing, start loving, and then listen. watch this. Then continue to laugh because that's all you're going to do. When you start living the life of love, you will become a laugher, a smiler. You'll become a happy person. How many people here are smiling at me today? Now you are. (laughs) I'll tell you, smiling, joy, happiness, contentment, fulfillment comes as the fruit of loving. It does, you don't just get zapped by the, by the, by some spiritual happy lightning. That suddenly puts a a smile on your face. What makes you laugh, what makes you happy, is that you start loving each other. This is what Jesus says. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. It's, It's in loving that joy fills our hearts. Did you know that? And it doesn't matter what what people are saying to you. It doesn't matter what people are doing to you. It doesn't matter how you're being treated. It doesn't matter if if no no one says anything bad or, or does anything bad. It won't matter at all. What will matter, my friends, is that you have made a decision to love. 
And there's so many people today who think that their happiness is going to come from getting their own way or maybe having money. Anybody follow the story of Michael Jackson? I still, how many remember where they were when they got the news that Michael Jackson died? I was, I was in, uh, in Minneapolis with Jesse and his friend. We're celebrating his graduation, and the news came on. I'll, I'll never forget that. Here's this tragic story of a man, 50 years old, dead. This multimillionaire, dead. This, this poor man who, extremely gifted, tries to create happiness around him by creating this Neverland ranch. How many know about this? You know about this. You know what I'm talking about. And still, he was not happy. Some people think money makes the world go round, but I'm going to tell you what makes the world go round. It's love. Love is what makes the world go round. That's where your happiness comes from. And Michael Jackson tried to create that for himself, tried to create something that he didn't get in his childhood. I want you to stop and think for a minute, for a moment. Who laughs the most? Children. I love the sound of children around me. I've been talking. I was saying to Gloria, I'm, I'm getting to the point now that our kids are at a little bit past the, the small young years. I can hardly wait now to have some grandkids. But no hurry, guys. It's cool. <laughs> You know, what I, you know what I love? I love the sound of laughter. I love the sound of joy. I love the sound of contentment. And Jesus does this. He says, if you want to understand what the kingdom of God is really all about, if you really want to understand what I am all about, and he looks around to see if he can find an example. And then he, oh yeah, there's a child. And he picks a child up and says, here, here's what you have to be like. You've got to be like this child. With simple faith who receives love and gives love freely. And somewhere along the line, you and I as adults lose that. We get hurt. Someone offends us. Somebody lets us down. Somebody fails us. Somebody gets ahead. Somebody does better than us. Somebody boasts. We feel got to boast in return. And somehow along the line, we lose that childlike loving and when we lose the love, we lose the laughter. Have you noticed that? Have you watched the little kids growing up? They're so happy, so cheerful, and they get older and older. When they're little, they run into, they run up to you, they throw themselves on you, they slobber great big kisses on your neck, and you don't mind. They even puke on your neck. That's okay. They're my, it's my baby. I don't mind. And they grow, and they grow, and, and you just see the door starting to shut. You could just see the flaps coming down. You could see the shutters closing, and they become closed. And next thing you know, they're hiding in their room, sad, unhappy, discontent, miserable, depressed, and they start cutting themselves. My friends, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if you want to know joy and happiness in your life, then you have to understand the simple scripture that says love never fails. If you want to know the joy of the Lord in your heart, then you need to start loving, even as Jesus loved us. Just a few weeks ago, we heard of the death of the Johnson & Johnson heiress, Casey Johnson, dead at age 32, 
found dead and alone in her home for several days. And she said this, she said, I feel or I felt all my life like a prisoner, a prisoner to my wealth, a prisoner to my rich lifestyle. And I'm profoundly unhappy. Those are her words. Somewhere along the line, Casey Johnson was not taught by her parents that the joy of life, that happiness comes not in getting or in having, but in, in giving, in loving in that manner. My friends, I'll tell you something. We're having this, this special banquet next Friday. I didn't, we didn't have to do it. I could say, oh, well, you know, it's t- the, economic, the economy, the economics in our grade, blah, blah, blah. blah. I could say, you know, we'll let people off this year. We won't ask them to give. But here's the thing. As your pastor, it's my responsibility to do the right thing for you. Now, you may or may not respond. I've got no control over that, but I'm going to tell you this. My responsibility is to show you how to have success in your life and how to have happiness. And the way that you're going to be happy, the way that you're going to be successful is not in being stingy or hoarding, but it will be through loving, through giving. That's it. I want you to be happy. I want you to know success in your life. I'm going to tell you this. You will know God's blessing. You will know God's joy when you make that sacrifice. My friends, this is what Christianity is all about. Love never fails. And every time you just make up your mind, you're going to love even love sacrificially, I'm going to tell you this, you will be successful in whatever you do. God has promised it. Those who give to the poor, the Bible says, lend to the Lord. That's the kind of Christianity that I'm talking about. I'm going to close with uh, this video clip. So if we could just show that right now, and then the band, if you'd come during that clip. Oh, you heard of the dog whisperer? This is the wife whisperer, or so he thinks. Oh, that was good. I've seen it several times now. It's wonderful. How many men forgot that it was Valentine's Day? Anybody like that? Anybody willing to admit that? Uh, Tim. (laughs) Oh, dear. Can anybody help Tim? Sign up at the end of the service here. Back in um, in the uh, 1960s, the Beatles came up with a song called All You Need Is Love. How many know that song? Anybody remember that song, All You Need Is Love? That uh, that song was written in response to war that was taking place. Anybody remember what war was taking place in the 60s? Vietnam. Vietnam. And uh, it was a scary time. Um, we, there, at that time, there was the, the threat of the Bay of Pigs. Remember that? The Cuban Missile Crisis. That, all of that happening at that time. It was a scary, scary world. And the Beatles, uh, I guess m- more specifically, it was John Lennon that wrote the song. He, he, he wanted to do something to help bring world love and world peace. Now, I want to tell you today that uh, 
uh, as wonderful as their intentions are, uh, were, they are not the originators or the author of that idea. How many know that that is really what the Bible is all about? Particularly the New Testament. The New Testament is all about love. And um, I'd like us to take a look at um, the passage of Scripture that deals exclusively with the subject of love. It's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 8a. And if you have your Bibles, you can take them and turn there. And we see in 1 Corinthians 13 a definition for love. Um, before you read it, don't read it. It's tempting, but don't. i got to give you back some background here first. Let me tell you this. The Apostle Paul wrote this as part of a letter. And so often when we, when we read the Scriptures, we forget that actually uh, there's a context. And uh, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, and like so many uh, groups of people, there was fighting going on. How many know that wherever there's people there, there tends to be problems? Everybody know that? The minute you've got people together, you've got what? Politics. Isn't that right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about? Where's Kevin? Oh, he's here earlier. That's right. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, I, I mean, I hear this all the time. You know, I don't like the politics in church. I don't like the politics where, where I work. I don't like the politics at work. That, 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 you know, you know, you've heard that. You've said that, some of you. But guess what? Wherever there's people, there are politics. Wherever there are people, put two people together, you're going to have the potential for a fight, Right? My father-in-law used to say to me when I was his, um, when I was his assistant, he used to say to me, he says, I think the whole world is crazy except you and me, Alan. And then he said, but even you I wonder about sometimes. <laughs> so how many understand today that this is the world we live in? And wherever you go, there's going to be the potential for fights and problems. Wherever you go, there'll be politics. Wherever you go, there's going to be power struggles taking place. Well, the Apostle Paul is hearing about problems at the church in Corinth. And he wants to address the problem. And he's written a long letter now. He's halfway through his letter uh, after giving instructions, don't do this and don't do that, and I hear about this and you shouldn't do that, and, and that's that's wrong, and you should do this and do that, that, and I mean, he was like a real like like a dad actually. I mean, how many parents know what it's like to give lectures to your kids? And yeah, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you parents know that most of it's going in one ear? I, I know when to shut up because the, the kids' eyes glaze over. You know, it's like. And it's, yes, dad, yes, no, dad, whatever you say, dad, okay? This is the Apostle Paul. And then he, he gets to the middle of his letter, and he says, okay, look it. I'm going to share with you the, the most excellent way. Not a excellent way, but the most excellent way, the best way to live. The way that you are going to have success all the time. The way that things are going to go well for you all the time. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And then he launches in to that famous love passage called 1 Corinthians 13. And many of you have had that read at your wedding. Some of you have got it framed nicely on the wall. And as you're fighting away with each other, <laughs> you've got that scripture verse there looking down. Wouldn't it be nice if we stopped fighting for a minute, read the Bible, and read, read the scriptures, and we're reminded what we need to do and what we should not do? Well, the Apostle Paul says we've got to learn to love. And that love... Never fail. So let's read that passage of Scripture. And everybody, if you'd read it with me, I won't make you stand up, but if you don't read it, I'll ask you to stand. So, so really get it right if you want to stay seated, right? 
Okay, here we go. And because I love you, I'll let you sit. It's uh, Okay, here we go. Ready? Ready? Excellent. You are very good readers. Okay, now would you like to, I could do one more thing for me. Would you tell the person beside you, love never fails? Go ahead, tell them that. Love, okay, here we go. What's so funny? Everybody's laughing at this. Love never fails. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Love never fails. Okay, so here's the thing. Some of you are sitting here today, and you, uh, you've had some pretty major failures in your life. Maybe some of you, it's been as early as this past week. Maybe it's something that's happened a few years ago, a year ago. But you, you've, you've messed up. You've really made some really big mistakes. You've, you've, you've not uh, done well. And here's what we, what we discover. The failures in your life, big and small, almost without exception, can be traced back to the fact that you are lacking in love. If you look at that list, patience, impatience, right? Impatience, unkindness, enviousness, boastfulness, pride, rude, being rude, uh, self-seeking, anger, Keeping grudges. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Keeping record of wrongs. That means holding a grudge. Delighting in evil. Basically rejecting truth. Thinking of yourself. Putting yourself first. This is the, this is the reason. This is the fruit of a lack of love in your life. It's when, whenever you put yourself first and fail to love, that's where failure comes in. And the Apostle Paul says, love never fails. And so we want to talk to you this morning. We want to talk this morning about how to be a success in this life, how to get this life right, how to get your marriage right, how to get your relationship with your kids right, how to get your, your relationship with the people at work right. How can we do it? Well, Paul tells us to love. So here's the very first thing you need to do. This is how you're going to live out love in your life. The very first thing you want to do is you want to stop failing. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Al? Well, look at it. it says in Romans 3.23, and read that with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The fact of the matter is, is it's in our spiritual DNA to fail. Did you know that? That is, that, that is your default setting. You will automatically fail in life because here's the thing. By nature, you and I are self-centered. Now, you've heard me say that dozens, hundreds of times. But here's the, here's the thing. At some point in your life, You've got to make a decision that you want to stop failing. You want to stop doing the wrong thing and start doing the right thing. Because some of you here today, your life has just been a string of failures. Things just, things that just haven't worked out. And it's happened over and over and over again where you've dropped the ball. I'm going to tell you why that is. Very simply, it's because you have stayed in this state of sin 
and falling short of the glory of God. Jesus came along, my friends, to teach us a brand new way of living. The Bible tells us that we fail because we are sinners, and we have all failed God. Yes, even the pastor has failed God. Even the pastor needs God's forgiveness. Even the pastor needs to learn how to stop failing. And the Bible, the good news of the Bible is this, is that the Bible gives us instructions on how we can actually stop failing and start succeeding in this life. And when I talk about succeeding in this life, you're automatically thinking about your career. I'm sure of that. But I'm not talking just about your career. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your relationship with your kids, with your neighbors, with your extended family, with at work, where, whatever, at, at your clubs, whatever. The Bible gives us instructions on how you and I can do well, how you and I can, can be a success. Now, here's the thing. We sin because... We sin because we love ourselves first. Did you know that? That's where sin, all sin comes from, self-centeredness. Did you know that? We look to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve. What are they doing? They don't love God first. They love themselves first. They try to do things their own way, and sin enters in. Now, here's the thing. We sin because we love ourselves most, because we love ourselves first. And we fail for exactly the same reason. Failure means the same thing as sin. In fact, the word sin, by definition, means to fall short. Did you know that? It means to fail. And so you and I, we will not be a success in this life as long as we love ourselves the most. And that goes completely against the definition of love, doesn't it? Love means you're not self-seeking. You don't put yourself first. Now, here's the thing. No one, no one here sets out to fail. No one here sets out to be a sinner. You did not put it on your to-do list. I'm going to fail this week. Nobody sets that as a life goal. I want, by the end of my life, I want to be a a real good failure. Nobody, nobody does that. I mean, it sounds absurd to even say such a thing. And yet, and yet, how many people come to the end of their lives and their life has been an absolute failure? It's been a disaster. It's been a catastrophe. Let me say this to you today. If you want to stop failing, if you want to come to the end of your life and say, wow, my life was a success, it was a good life, it was a life worthy of the breath that you have had, then you have got to start learning how to stop living for yourself. You have to learn to start living for others, putting others first. You're going to have to start learning to love. Love never fails. And I'm going to say this. You will always fail in life. You will always fail in life if you fail to love. Did you get that? You will always fail in life if you fail to love. If you fail to love your kids, your relationship with them will be a failure. If you fail to love your wife, your relationship with her will be a failure. Now, I might be stating the obvious, but here's the thing. You and I forget the obvious every day. We need to be reminded every day that God has called us to love as he loved us. I want you to stop and think for a moment. The failures, the grand failures of some great people. And you will see that at the root of it all is a lack of love for others. Look at Bill Clinton. 
What will you remember Bill Clinton for? You will remember Bill Clinton in relationship to that woman, Monica Lewinsky. Isn't that right? Even though Bill Clinton is considered by historians to be one of the great presidents because the economy was fantastic when he was president and he did some other great things. But most of us don't know about that. We only know one thing. Bill Clinton had an affair and... He lied about it. That's all you know. At the root of it all, my friends, is this. He failed to love his wife. He failed to love his daughter. He loved himself more. He put himself first. Think of Senator Edward Kennedy, uh, Edward, uh, uh, John Edwards. Anybody watch the news? You're watching this terrible thing unfold. This man who was the candidate for the presidency of the United States, who, who many believe had a really good chance of becoming the next president or a president in the future. We see him self-destruct before our eyes, having an affair with one of his assistants, one of his aides. And we see this all unfold. And you wonder, what on earth happened to John Edwards? I mean, he had some good ideas. He believed in helping the poor. He believed... At least he said he did. He believed in caring for those who were needy, and and the list goes on. Great ideas, education, and on and on and on. But in his private life, he loved himself more than he loved his wife. And the thing that makes it especially sickening is that he's having this affair while his wife is battling cancer. Absolutely sickening. And you and I are tempted to pick up a stone and throw it at John Edwards because he's such a cad. But let me remind you of this. Before you pick up that stone and are tempted to throw it at those who fail, think of yourselves. Think of how you have failed. Think of the dastardly things that you have done. Anybody remember former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we remember Brian Mulroney. You know what? After he was done in office, I think there was one or two MPs standing. That was it. After having a majority for, for two terms, that was all that was left. And you know what? You can say, okay, you know, the economy, whatever, you know, history will judge him nicely and it'll turn out okay, whatever. Until recently, just some months back, you, you remember the, the huge attempt by Brian, Mul- by Brian Mulroney to cover up the under-the-table gift of over $300,000 from Hans Schreiber. Anybody remember that? And you, you sit there and you watch in pain as this guy tries to defend himself and describe why he didn't declare it and on and on. And you sit there and you think to yourself, whatever comes out of your mouth will never redeem you. You lied to us. You cheated us. You did what was wrong. What was at the bottom of it all, my friends? Because he was already a wealthy man. Did he need another $300,000 to be dragged through court, etc., etc.? Did he really need that? At the bottom of it all was just pure selfishness, self-centeredness, self-seeking. All these men failed because they chose to be self-seeking rather than loving. I wonder today how many of us here today are on 
the wrong, the wrong trail and the wrong path, going down the wrong road, heading towards disaster because you are thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about your wife or your kids or your workmates or anybody else. You're putting yourself first. I'm going to tell you this. You're heading for disaster. And God is calling you to stop failing, stop sinning, and start loving. And here's the thing, my friends, the thing that's going to make you happy, the thing that's going to bring success to your life is love. It's putting others first. Pretty plain, pretty simple, isn't it? You know, there's so many books on success. And everybody knows uh, I, I'm, I'm, I love books. I've got lots of books. Anybody know that? Anybody been to my office? I invite anybody here today. If you want, you can come to my office anytime and say hi to me. And you will see that I've got a lot of books. And I've got a lot of books on management, administration, that sort of thing. And if you go to the bookstore, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find uh, sections, huge sections in the, in the bookstore that deal with how to be a success and how to have success in your life. Did you know that? Huge sections on that because everybody wants to be successful. In fact, there's a magazine called Success. It was Benjamin Franklin that started that magazine hundreds of years ago, believe it or not. And it's still going to this day because people want to be successful. They want to, they want to, they want to get ahead. They want to do well. They want life to go well for them. But you know, you're going to find on all these books about success, they're going to talk about time management for success and how to dress for success. What colors to put together, not what colors not to put together so you'll look like a success. How to have a power lunch for success. Don't eat quiche, eat red meat, because that will prove to the per- your client or the person you're doing business with that you're, you are uh, an animal that will not be conquered. Like, just nonsense like this. If you want to be a success, they'll tell you, make sure you get good computer applications, good software. Make sure that you, that you are disciplined. Make sure that, that, that you get a good education. Make sure that you practice because practice makes perfect. But you know what? In all of those books on success, there's nothing about love. There's nothing about loving others and being loving, except for one I found called Love is a Killer App. <laughs> love is a killer app? What does that mean? Well, basically what they're saying, what this guy is saying is that the most successful people in business are going to be the people who know how to love. Interesting. That's not something you hear too much of. Why do you think you don't hear that much about that? I'll tell you why. It's because our instinct is not to be loving. Our instinct is to be unloving, to be selfish. Now, a hundred years ago, there were a lot of rich, rich people in this world that got ahead by not being loving. If you read the story of, of some of the great, great rich people, J.P. Morgan and, and Henry Ford, you'll see that these are nasty people who literally climbed up on the corpses of those that, that they had ruined. But this guy says, in this day and age, if you want to be a successful businessman, the business community won't put up with bullies anymore. You've got to learn how to love. First book I've seen on the subject of how to be a success. My friends, there was a book written, began 2,000 years ago, called The Bible, that teaches you how you can be a success, how you can stop failing. And in that book, you're going to find a little verse that says, Love never fails. But you've got to make up your mind today whether or not that's the way you want to live. 
And I'm going to say this to you. If you want to be a Christian, you have no choice. You have to stop failing and start loving. That's my second point this morning. Jesus said in John 13, verse 12, my command is this. Read it with me. My command is this. Can I just remind everybody that when Jesus came to this world 2,000 years ago, he did not come to set up another religion. How many know that today? I had people, I had someone come to my office the other day and say, you know, I'm glad to, I'm glad to meet you and every that, but, I, and all that, but I, you know, I don't really, um, uh, I don't really think much of religion. And I said, well, I don't think much of religion either. And his jaw dropped. So what are you talking about? I said, I don't think much of religion, but I do think much about love. And that's what Jesus is all about. And that's what we're all about here. And after talking to him for about 15, 20 minutes, I was able to lead him to the Lord in my office just a few weeks ago. Because he discovered Jesus, who was offering him exactly what his heart craved. His heart craved love, acceptance. Now, I want to tell everybody this. When he came to this world, he came with a simple message. Start loving each other. Did you know that? That's the message that Jesus came to give you and me. Start loving each other. Look at that person beside you. God wants you to love him, her. Oh, no. Like, look at husbands and wives here. Should I? Should we? Yeah, you need to love each other. That's what the New Testament's all about. Everything that Jesus did, listen to this, is motivated by love. Now, I've got some really good news for you. Ready for this? How many would like to see some miracles take place in your life? Anybody like that? How many would like to see some healing take place? Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your relationships with others. I don't know. But here's the thing. Listen to this. This is, this is fantastic news for you today. Wherever Jesus went, Jesus was moved by what? By compassion. That's a, that's a, a big 16-cylinder word for a simple four-letter word, love. Jesus has called you and me to be like him. And here's what we read in Matthew 9:36. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. Does everybody know what that word compassion means, where it comes from? I shared this with you in the past, I'm sure. The root of that word compassion is literally the word guts. Ugh. Splagnizomai is actually the word in Greek. What does that mean? I'll tell you very simply. It's, it's the kind of love that's, that is, it's in the very core of your being. And if you're a mother or a father today, you know what that kind of love is because you felt that in the very core of, of, of your being. You felt yourself moved inside. That's how Jesus was moved when he saw these poor, helpless people moved with compassion. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days, have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And, the, and then what follows is 5,000 people get supper. Now listen to me. Every miracle, every healing, every supernatural act of God is the fruit of compassion, of love. And if you want to know miracles in your life, if you want to see your marriage healed, if you want to see your relationship with your kids healed, 
If you want to see things go better for you at work, then you need to be like Jesus. You need to be moved by compassion and watch the miracles start to unfold in your life. Some of you are here today. You're saying, you know, I'll be loving towards my wife if she'll be loving towards me. It doesn't work that way. The love that Jesus calls us to is a love that takes the initiative all the time. That means you don't care what other people do. You're going to love them whether they like it or not. You're going to love them, love them whether they, they speak well to you or not. You're going to let people in when you're driving along, even though they cut you off earlier. You're going to let, it means you're not going to flip them the bird. You know what I mean? It means you are going to reach out and love regardless what anybody says or does to you. This is the kind of love that we're talking about here. And we find Jesus comes to this world. This would be for three years. He travels across Israel loving these people. And at the end of the three years, guess what they do to him? They put him to death. They hang him on a cross. And what does Jesus do? That's it. I'm done with you. Angels of heaven, come down and destroy these dirty good. No, he doesn't do that. That's what I would be tempted to do. That's it. The angels of heaven with all their machine guns are coming down and you're all dead. Dead, dead. No, he doesn't do that. He hangs on the cross and what does he say? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Now, my friends, you say, oh man, I can't live like this. No, you can't live like this. But you've been given the Holy Spirit who enables you to love just like this. This, my friends, is why we don't... We don't promote religion here. We're talking about a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is authentic, true Christianity that enables you to love your boss. That enables you to love that rebellious 14-year-old teenager. That enables you to love your wife. And she's cranky with you. And everybody knows wives are cranky, right? No, I'm just kidding. My wife knows I'm joking. She doesn't take, she doesn't care about it. Everybody knows that men are hard to live with, right? Are we even? (laughs) I'm joking. Jesus is calling us to love. And when you start loving, you're going to start seeing miracles take place in your life. And I don't know about you but I want to see the miraculous take place in my life. And that means crazy, crazy things like going through the line at Superstore and being nice to those people behind the counter who have just been abused by the, by the five customers before you and probably will get, be abused by the five customers after you. Yeah. Watch miracles start taking place. Watch what God will do in your life. When you, when you love, the miraculous takes place. I was reading about, about Al, not Alan Duncalf, another Al. Don't call me Al, please. I don't like that. But there's a man, he, he didn't mind that name. His name was Al. And as a child, Al was abused, grew up in a home where everyone was medicating their pain with alcohol and drugs. Al turned 18, got out of his house, and quickly found a girlfriend, got married, And predictably, his marriage ended in divorce. 
he would say the only good that came out of his marriage was that he had a son. You see, Al, Al uh, had not dealt with his pain, and he kept on drinking. And so there was Al, drunk on weekends, trying desperately to get it together. But he had custody of his son, and he knew he had to do the best for his son so that his son wouldn't go through what he went through. Al died at a young age. This is a true story. He died at a young age, but somehow his child turned out all right. And at his funeral, someone asked Al's son how it was that Al, with all his struggles, with all his pain, with his problems with drinking, with his upbringing, how is it that this son turned out so well? And the son said this. He said, no matter what my father struggled with, no matter how much he suffered, he always told me he loved me in the morning and before I went to sleep at night. I always felt secure and happy. Through the miracle of love, this struggling man spared his son what he went through. I'm telling you, my friends, Love is a miraculous thing. When the Beatles sang, all you need is love, they didn't even know what they were singing. But they were absolutely right. All you need is love. Love transforms lives. It saves lives. It makes this world a better place. You live love by by making a commitment to stop failing, stop sinning, stop living for yourself. You live out love by starting to love, even when people aren't loving towards you. And then, my friends, the neat thing about it all is that when you start living this loving lifestyle, you begin to laugh. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to laugh. I sit here looking at you this morning. There's some people not laughing, not smiling. Some of you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice or vinegar or something. Do you know what? There's people, people want to know where they can find happiness, where they can find joy, where they can find contentment, fulfillment. I'm going to tell you where it is. It's in loving. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 11, 12, he said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. That's where your joy comes from. It's by learning to stop living for yourself and starting to live for others. Where does joy and contentment come from? It comes from living a life of love. Jesus was asked once by, some, by one of his disciples, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? You just see the, 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 the boasting, the pride, the self-seeking Disciples thinking that one of them was going to get to sit at Jesus' left hand and one was going to sit at the right hand. They're, they're like, they're jockeying for position now. There's not a lot of love here, my friends. It was just pure ambition. And they came to Jesus and said, who's, who's going to be the great one? I'm so glad that Jesus was not sarcastic or rude. 
You know what he does? He says, um, who's going to be great? Let's see. Let's see if I can find somebody who could be an example. He says, oh, there's a child. And he takes the child by the hand and says, come stand up here. I want everybody to look at you. And the little child's looking at Jesus, smiling, looking at the crowd, smiling, wondering what this is all about. And then Jesus says, when you become like this child, then you will be great in the kingdom of God. That's where true greatness is. Because in that child, my friends, is simple humility and contentment. Do you ever notice about children that they, they know how to laugh? Anybody notice that? I was just saying, I can hardly wait to say, Gloria and I were talking about this, I can hardly wait to, to have grandkids. <laughs> but not that big of a hurry. <laughs> Jesse, Nicholas, and Sarah, hold it. But I am looking forward to that. You know why? Because it's so wonderful to have that laughter in the house. I mean, how many know what I'm talking about? There's a laughter that comes from children that doesn't come anywhere else, except from those who have learned the lesson from the child. Children laugh, and that laughter is a sign of contentment. You know why they're content? You know why kids are content? Because they are loved, and they are able to love in return. Plain and simple as that. That is the whole world of a child. Mama loves me, and I love Mama. It's true. Not a care in the world. Totally free. In this beautiful love relationship. That is what God wants for us. That's what God wants for you and me. And some of us, it's been a long time since we last laughed. In fact, you've probably cried much more than you've laughed recently. Have you ever noticed how as children grow up, they start becoming jaded? You notice that? When they're little, they run to you, they hug you, they love you, they kissing you, big slobbery kisses on your neck and gob just running down there. And, oh, it's my baby, I don't care. And they're puking on your shoulder, but they're hugging you and you love them so much. And they're, it's your baby and they're cooing. They blap. <laughs> now, if I did that, that would, I don't think Lori would be too happy about that. But they're, they're just full of love. They grow up. They're jumping, laughing, climbing the furniture, somersaults. They're just a great joy. And then they start going out into the world where there's not a whole lot of love where people don't love them the way you love them as a parent. And suddenly they start getting jaded. And next thing you know, they're, they're, they got an attitude. Hello? <laughs> and next thing you know, they're getting angry. Next thing you know, they're hiding in their room. And next thing you know, they're yelling at their brothers and their sisters, the mother, the father, the pastor. They're yelling at everybody. And they start cutting themselves. And you wonder, what on earth has happened here? And I'll tell you what's happened. They forgot how to love and how to be loved. They lost a connection. Michael Jackson, 50 years old, just died. Anybody remember where they were when Michael Jackson died? I, I know where I was. I was at the Hyatt in Minneapolis with Jesse and his friend. We got the news Michael Jackson died. 
And Michael Jackson, right after he died, they started doing a bit of a biography in his life. And guess what you discover about poor Michael Jackson? This poor man medicating himself, medicated himself to death because of the pain and the anguish in his heart. Guess what you discover about Michael Jackson? He never had a childhood. And in his household, making money was more important than being a child. Making money was more important than loving relationships. And he was demented and, and twisted from his childhood on. Now, don't anybody go away from here saying Pastor Allen hates Michael Jackson, putting Michael Jackson down. Don't go away from here. I'm, I'm just trying to point out something to you this morning. What happens when there's a lack of love in your life? You stop loving. You stop laughing. Michael Jackson tried desperately to get his childhood back. He created the Neverland Ranch where he invited children in. And you know the stories, the painful, horrible pictures that were painted of this man. A man who could not laugh anymore. Because somewhere along the line, someone failed to love him. And he didn't know how to love in return. He had those kids around him. He thought those kids could bring him love and bring him laughter, but he didn't understand that laughter and fulfillment in this life comes not from getting love so much as from giving love. And that's what God's calling you to do today. There's someone in your life right now that needs to be shown love. Maybe you've been impatient. You know the list. Love is patient. Love is kind. Maybe you've been impatient. Maybe you've been unkind. Unkind to that waitress, that stewardess, that fellow pumping gas in the minus 40 weather. Maybe you've been envious of someone You've been boasting and proud, too proud to say sorry. Maybe you've been rude. Maybe you've been just so so self-seeking, so wrapped up in your life that you'd have no time for what other people are going through. Maybe you're just angry and bitter, losing your temper all the time. Maybe you've been holding a grudge. All these things, my friends, are the opposite of love. And God's calling you and me to live a life of love. That's when the laughter will come back to your life. That's when the contentment will come back. That's when the fulfillment will come back. And you'll find you've got a smile on your face and you're laughing harder and louder than any child ever could. I'd like us just to close with this video clip and we'll close the service.